Welcome to With All Wisdom, where we are applying biblical truth to everyday life. My name is Derek Brown, and I'm here today with Cliff McManus. We are both pastors and elders at Creekside Bible Church in Cupertino, California, and professors of theology at the Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo, California. And this is part three of our discussion about the recent Alistair Begg controversy and advice that he gave to a grandma about attending a so-called gay wedding. And so we're going to continue with that. But before we get to our topic for today, I want to encourage you to check out withallwisdom.org, where you will find a large and growing collection of Christian resources, all rooted in God's Word, aimed to help you grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus. So Cliff, let's close out this uh, episode with some discussion on lessons learned from this recent controversy with a well-known pastor. What should we as pastors have learned from this? What do we need to know going forward? And really, how? what's a way we can make sure that this doesn't happen uh, to us? Yeah, this is going beyond the specific incident here with Alistair Begg, because this this too will pass. It's not going to last mm-hmm. forever. Even right. the news cycle is going to go so quickly that people may forget about this a month from now. Yeah. But there are ongoing timeless principles that could be fine-tuned in our thinking regarding this uh, widespread public controversy and scandal in the Christian world. So that's what I wanted to zero in. I think that could also be a unique contribution that you and I have to offer to the dis- this discussion because yeah. we, you and I both for the last 10 days have been listening to a lot of different podcasts and people speaking, uh, most of whom, if not all of them that I've heard, I agreed with yeah. uh, all these Christian leaders and podcasters and they all say the same thing. God created marriage. It's between a man and a woman. It needs to be honored mm-hmm. uh, to go to a homosexual or transgender wedding is endorsing homosexuality overtly, mm-hmm. and that is a compromise of biblical principles, especially Romans 1, um, where we're not supposed to endorse any form of evil, and this is not even tolerable uh, or acceptable as a Christian. Right. And that's been the universal response, and everybody has said, uh, we love you. Alistair, but you're wrong, and you need to recant and repent. Not, nobody's deviated from that that I've heard. Yeah. That's a respectable Christian leader who has a biblical perspective on this. Yeah. So, uh, and again, this is a black and white issue, not a gray area issue. Uh, so there are lessons to be learned from this. Uh, but first, Derek, I had some questions. Uh, can I ask these questions? Mm-hmm. These are questions I came up with that if I had a, an opportunity to just talk to Alistair, Pastor Alistair personally yeah. – what questions I would ask him that I haven't heard anybody mm. talk about yet or even yeah. – I haven't even heard him address. But I think they are at the heart of this issue, mm-hmm. just make us think. So here's my questions. Okay. Um, question number one is, Alistair, Bacon, based on your public response in your sermon, uh, does Eric Alexander Sinclair Ferguson agree with your counsel? Hmm. Uh, sometimes was it since Claire Ferguson and both those guys I think go to the Shepherds Conference every once in a while. Yeah, yep, that'd be a good yep. question for them. You guys agree with what Alistair just said? Because yep. John MacArthur just came out yesterday saying he doesn't agree, mm-hmm. and uh, Alistair Begg has been disinvited wow. from the Shepherds Conference as of last night, this morning, or yesterday. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, so here it is, February first, and a month from now, he's not coming. Mm. And, and Grace Church didn't do that out of being mean or mm-hmm. just silent. It was just. That's a distraction right now, and pastors need to be united and encouraged, yeah. not distracted. So would they agree with you? Uh, next question, Alistair. Um, 
would they also agree – would Sinclair Ferguson agree that you should go to a gay wedding and bring a gift? Hmm. I wonder what he would say. Yeah. Next question. Alistair, um, is your view the British Christian view? Do all Brits who are Christians agree with you? Because <laughs> that's what you made it sound like. Alistair, have you ever been invited to a gay wedding? Hmm. I want to know that. Yeah. Has he? Yeah. Alistair? Uh and if you did go, have you ever been to a gay wedding? Mm-hmm. Not only have you been invited, but yeah. have you ever been to a gay wedding? I would like to hear his response. And Alistair, if you've been to a gay wedding, did you bring a gift? Which is actually an act of celebration. Did yeah. you do that? Yeah. He should probably tell us. Yeah. Because uh, that's kind of a double whammy. Because if he says, well, no, I've I've actually never been invited to a gay wedding and I've never gone to a mm-hmm. gay wedding. Then why are you advising this grandma to do it? Mm-hmm. Something you have never done. Mm-hmm. And then if he says, yeah, actually, I have been invited and I've gone, that's a problem because you shouldn't have. Um, Alistair, should Mm. pastors counsel and exhort Christians to act in direct violation of their conscience? Because we heard on the audio that you gave that the grandma was kind of alarmed, shocked, and surprised at his answer. That's a great point. Wow. Yeah. That's Romans 4. 14, mm-hmm. verse 23, um, you don't do anything that violates your that's conscience, right. whether you're right or wrong, that's right. on a gray area. Mm-hmm. This is a black and white issue, that, so it's even worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Pastor Alistair, should pastors counsel Christians to act in violation of their conscience on a gray area issue, which this is not, yeah. and even worse, should pastors counsel Christians to act in violation of their conscience on black and white issues? Yeah. Wow, that is dangerous. Yeah. That's a great question. Alistair, could you be wrong on this issue? Well, he's already answered it. No. He said no. He's not wrong. Uh, I don't, We're wrong. I'm, I'm not going to recant. I'm not going to repent. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. So, Alistair, could you be wrong? And he says no. I mean, that should just set off alarms for anybody who's a Christian, and especially if you're a pastor. Yeah. Um, You should be... On just about every issue, that it, when it's your personal opinion or counsel, you should be able to – if somebody asks you, well, could you be wrong? Well, yeah, actually, I could be. <laughs> knowing me, yeah. knowing sinful, finite humanity and the blind spots that we have uh, and how so easily prone to sin that we are, yeah. according to the wisdom of the book of he, uh, Proverbs, we should be willing to listen to others because we might be have a blind spot. Mm-hmm. And I think – being willing to say that, yeah, I could be wrong is a sign of true humility. Mm-hmm. And to say, no, absolutely not, I'm not wrong on this. Um, when others are saying yeah. in unison from a biblical point of view that you are, yeah. from what I've seen in church leadership over the last 30 years, that's a dangerous position yeah. to be in. Yeah. When you've got a man of God, a pastor, an elder who is uh, the lone ranger on an issue saying, absolutely not, I'm not wrong. Yeah, That'd be like if we had an elders meeting, we got 10 elders and one of the elders saying one thing and the other nine are saying, no, this is clear. This is black and white. This is in the Bible. Dude, you're out of line. And that elder says, and hunkers down and says, no way. I know it's one against nine, but I am absolutely right. There's no way I could be wrong. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. That's Uh, alarming. That borders on one of the qualifications of being an elder, which is being self-willed. If you're Mm -hmm. self-willed, you can't be an elder. So this went from, from my point of view, the way uh, Pastor Begg is responding to all of those who love him 
universally saying the same message over the course of two weeks now, and he's hunkering down and hardening in his position all the more. This has gone from just a one-time slip-up from the pulpit or on the fly, yeah, which right. we all do. <clears throat> yep. Oops, that was stupid, yep. or I was short-sighted <laughs> in that. I should have thought about that more. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't really think that yep. through. I didn't pray through it. I didn't get counsel on that. My bad. Mm-hmm. I need to retract that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's initially what most of us thought. And Oh, yeah, he'll fix that. That's yep. an easy fix. He'll uh, he'll clarify and readdress it and solve the problem. Well, that isn't what happened. Yeah, it's like he hunkered down, defined it all the more, uh, dug even deeper, and now there it seems like there's these character issues coming to the surface, mm. uh, which is that's what's most troubling. Yeah, not just a slip up. Is this a character flaw that has gone undetected for a long period of time? Yeah. We don't know yet. Yeah. Time will tell for sure. Yeah. Uh, next question. Almost done here. Alistair, Pastor Alistair, are all the major Christian leaders who have spoken up publicly so far against your view Pharisees, as you've labeled yeah, them? That's a great question. Because he, boy, he, he implicit, at least implicitly labels those who disagree with him yeah. as Pharisees in that his response in that sermon. Yeah. And my last question, Pastor Beg, do all of your elders at your church agree with your view? Because we don't know that. Because he, he's saying this publicly did, from the pulpit. I think he did say that not all of his elders did agree. Okay. Yeah. I and think he did say that in his response. Yeah. So, and regardless of how he responded to that, do all of your elders agree with mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. If he says yes, that's a huge problem. Yeah. Because then all of your elders are clearly wrong. Right. And that's a dangerous church that yeah. I would want people. Don't go there. They become woke. Yeah. It's a big church, an influential church. Mm-hmm. But don't go there until they change their position and recant. Yeah. So if all your elders agree with you, that's a problem. And if all your elders don't agree with you, that's another major problem. Yeah. You've got a divided leadership. And you're not listening to your own elders who know <laughs> you best. Right. It's like, So that's what we believe in our church, Derek, is you know a plurality of elders. We've had anywhere from five to eight elders. Uh, right now we have five. Mm-hmm. And we thank God for that. And that's yeah. God's wisdom to have a plurality of elders because we hold each other accountable. Um, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. We all know we are short-sighted. And we don't know everything, and we need our brothers as a mirror and yep. speaking into our lives and saying, oh, you're out of line there, you're, or you don't quite have that down, or uh, you're off kilter there, you spoke a little harshly, or no, that's not true, or you interpreted that verse wrong. Mm-hmm. or And that's why for 18 years at our church, we agreed that every decision that the elders made would be unanimous. Yeah, And uh, I preach a lot at our church, and you preach a lot at our church, and the uh, guardians of what comes out of the pulpit first line of defense is the elders. Yeah, that's right. And so we, me and you, are directly accountable with all the plurality of the elders. And it doesn't matter if it's one guy or three guys, if they corner you and say, yeah, Cliff, uh, did you say this Sunday from the pulpit? And I say, yeah, I did. Well, I think you need to rethink that because I don't know if that's accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had that said to me before. Mm-hmm. And there are times where I had to go back and <laughs> admit, oops. <laughs> <laughs> My fault. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what the makeup and constitution and accountability level is for Pastor Beg and his elders at his yeah. church, but every local church uh, should have a plurality of elders who hold each other accountable, and you shouldn't be getting up from the pulpit yeah. publicly reiterating something on a major doctrinal mm-hmm. issue. If you have elders saying, no, I totally disagree. Yeah. That was going to be my point. That would never happen here at CBC. Uh, you wouldn't get up on a major controversial issue that you knew some of your elders were in strong disagreement with you and get up and dig your heels in and defend yourself. 
Yeah. If if any of us did that, I mean, that's huge trouble. Yeah. Uh, that is a split, and that's a defiance from that elder in the pulpit. That's a split in the eldership. Uh, there's so many things wrong with that, and uh, so that's a concern as well. Yeah, because it creates division at the leadership level, which trickles down and will divide the church. Yep. And the Christian world abroad, which we've seen. Yeah. I mean, that was true even of COVID when you, me, and our elders, at the time we had eight elders and we were thinking through COVID when it first hit. That's right. We didn't know what to do. And in the end, a lot of the issues were gray area issues. Mm -hmm. But we agreed as elders, as we talked and prayed it through and searched the scriptures and got counsel from other churches, we agreed. Whatever we present to our members has to be united front. We all have to agree on it. That's right. Even though we were across the spectrum and all Mm -hmm. over the map Mm -hmm. on personal convictions about certain things. It's like what we tell our sheep is going to be one united message. And we did. And that was on a gray area issue. All the more, again, a black and white (laughs) issue about marriage. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Another thing I had, you want to share that now? The uh, lesson learned? Yes, please. That would be Um, be great. I think a perennial lesson we can take away from this – uh, was a concept that's not talked about much, but it's clearly in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 11. The Apostle Paul, uh, he was the pastor who founded the church at Corinth. He pastored those believers for a year and a half, and then he stayed in touch with them and visited them, loved them, wrote them several letters. He was their pastor. And they were saved, yet they had some growing and maturing to do. They had some characteristics about them. Good ones and bad ones. They were very spiritual, very gifted by God, and yet they were divisive, immature, mm-hmm. childish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 1 Corinthians eleven, eighteen, 18, uh, Paul's kind of been rebuking them the whole letter, and then he gets to chapter 11. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen, Paul says, I hear that there are divisions among you. I hear that divisions exist among you. I hear that you got a lot of division going on in your church. <laughs> I hear that what that means is, Boy, you're a church full of Christians, and there's a whole lot of squabbling going on. How come you Christians just can't get along? Mm -hmm. That's not loving. That's not what Jesus would do. Jesus wants unity, but you're you're divisive. I hear that divisions exist among you, and the the word for divisions there is schismata, where we get the word schism. Mm -hmm. Where actually the root of that is schizo, Hmm. which we've heard before. That person is schizo. It's a Greek word. It means division, dissension, to tear, to rip apart. It's not a good word. Yeah. I hear that there's divisions among you Corinthian Christians. Uh, and then the next phrase uh, that Paul makes is quite amazing in, the, in verse 19 because he follows up after saying, I hear that there divisions exist among you Corinthian Christians. Uh, there, Well, nevertheless, there must be factions or divisions <laughs> among you. There must be. It, why? So that those who are approved amidst the controversy may become evident among you. Yeah. So this is a great biblical principle here. Uh, Paul says that, well, divisions aren't always bad. Controversies and arguments among Christians aren't always bad. Yeah. As a matter of fact, most times it's good. Yep. Even if uh, they're being sinful as they debate with one another. The fact that there's a division is usually a good thing because God uses it for good. That's the promise of Romans 8.28. And the way God uses a division between two parties uh, when Christians are squabbling is he always allows the truth to surface whatever that controversy is. And that always clarifies the truth. Mm -hmm. And it always exposes that which is false. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what Paul is saying. Well, I hear there's divisions among you about various things and opinions you have, but you know what? That's a good thing because through the process and the division, things will settle down and then the truth will surface and then God will approve those who believe the yeah. truth, acted and defended the truth, yeah. and God will expose the others who are resisting the truth, misrepresenting the truth, or deceived by the truth. Uh, and that will give clarity to the issue. So. Uh, this is the good thing about that. We shouldn't shy away or shirk from um, or get all nervous and overwhelmed every right. time there's a, a controversy in the Christian right. church for whatever reason, being fearful of man or or what will the world think? Well, mm-hmm. yeah, they're looking. Uh, and they do want us – you know, Jesus said that in John 17 and other places, that the world will know that you're my disciples by your love for one right. another. But that love is not apart from the truth. It has yeah, to be amen. your love for the truth. Mm-hmm. That, that's what's going to unite you is the love for the truth. And that's what the world needs to see. And yeah. so a division uh, can actually clarify that and bring the truth to the surface where true Christians can all love one another and unite one another over that truth. Yeah. And in this instance – I think this is a clarifying issue in the church today, the evangelical church, uh, regarding our view of uh, homosexuality and wokeness and transgenderism and the institution of marriage, mm-hmm. which is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, how should we really believe, understand the uh, institution of marriage? How should we honor it? How should we protect it? And then the most basic question: uh, Should Christians be going to gay weddings? Yeah. I, you know, one thing that's baffled me in all this, Derek, is. It's like, why is that question now become such a controversy <laughs> when we've been dealing with gay marriage for decades? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember in 1993 or whatever it was when Bill Clinton was the president and gay marriage was a divisive issue then that mm-hmm. was percolating. Mm-hmm. And so President Clinton, the liberal guy, the adulterer that he was, mm-hmm. signed a federal law, uh, the D-O-M-A, the Defense of Marriage yeah. Act, and it became federal law here in the United States of America. And two things that it did, it defined marriage as between a man and a woman. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing it did was it said that no state can force another state to recognize a gay marriage. Mm. President Clinton signed that into law. Both houses of Congress approved it in high numbers. It's like, oh, well, that settles it. Uh, So we've been talking about gay marriage as a country and as Christians since then. Then in – fast forward to 2008 here in California, we had Proposition 8. Uh, which was uh, on the state ballot where it defined marriage as mm-hmm. marriage – it was one sentence long. Marriage is between one man and one woman, and that was going to be added to the state constitution of California. And in November of 2008, a majority of Californians voted for it in favor of traditional biblical marriage, mm-hmm. and it became a part of the constitution of the state of California. Yeah. And then that was 2008, and then you fast forward to seven years later and all the litigation – and then the Supreme Court rules five to four yeah. in favor of gay marriage, yeah. undermining biblical marriage. That was in 2015. So we've been talking and thinking about gay marriage as Christians uh, for decades. Yeah. And so I was wondering, why is this just now being asked and such a controversy? Yeah, I think why it's been such a controversy is because in our circles and – Biblical church circles, Christian circles, conservative Christian circles, that the answer has always been uniform mm-hmm. and clear. That mm-hmm. Of course you don't go yeah. to gay weddings. Yeah. And now you've got a so-called respected conservative Christian high-profile pastor yeah. saying yeah. otherwise for the first time. I think that's why this is blowing yeah. up. That's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I have been invited to gay weddings, by the way. Have you? Yes, I have. 
I don't know if you have, but I have. And yeah, the, I the first gay wedding I was invited to was a while ago, and uh, I said no, and I explained why. And I was trying to be nice about mm-hmm. it, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I was vilified yeah. by uh, unbelievers and Christians alike. Really? Yep. Christians alike? Yep. Wow. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think I was called Hitler, ah. and that's not exaggerated. So wow. um, I have been invited to gay weddings. Then, And that's also a, just a, an ongoing question that you and I have received since we've been pastors. You know, count when people in our congregation are asking us for counsel. Yeah, uh, Pastor Cliff, Pastor Derek, uh, I've been invited by my unbelieving cousin. Should I go to his wedding? Right. Uh, my gay niece's wedding. Should mm-hmm. I go to that? So we've fielded that question yeah. for years now. Yeah. And I think you and I, and uh, whenever we've had opportunity to talk about it, counsel, pray, search the scriptures, and I think we're consistent in giving a biblical answer. And it's case by case. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. if you have just two unbelievers getting married, and it's a man and a woman, mm-hmm. a real man and a woman, yeah. they're unbelievers, and they want to get married at the justice of the peace, then we, I would attend that wedding if it was a yeah, family I member. No, it's like, I have no problem. Because this is not a – marriage is not a Christian institution. Mm-hmm. It's not a, a an institution of the theocracy of Israel. It's an, a creation ordinance yeah. for all of humanity yeah. in Genesis 1 and 2. Uh, so before God, a man and a woman, regardless of their religion – or their faith. If they're getting married by a proper recognized authority, Romans 13, mm-hmm. that's a legit marriage. Yep. Yep. Well, this has been uh, helpful for me, and I hope it's been helpful for our leaders and listeners that are uh, assessing the situation and watching it unfold. And and we pray that this has been helpful for, t- for you as you think through these issues and deal with them on a personal level. We... Uh, expect that those who are listening to this podcast have to deal with these kinds of questions in their relationships and or will have already or will have to. And so we pray that this equips you to follow the Lord, to trust His Word, to obey Him, even when it's hard, especially when it's hard. And you will find that when it comes to uh, obeying the Lord in a family setting, it will be very challenging. But the Lord Jesus knew that, and so He gave us strong words so that we would recognize that our loyalty lies ultimately with him and that there is coming a day when we will be with our spiritual family and only our spiritual family. And there will be a separation that that has been previewed here on earth that will last for eternity. And so we don't want to do something that would jeopardize uh, our unbelieving family member coming to Christ. And when we compromise on the truth, that actually will jeopardize uh, their opportunity to come to Christ because they won't be able to see clearly what it means to repent and follow after the Lord. So we hope that you've been able to uh, understand that part of it and work your way through assessing uh, Alistair Begg's advice and counsel. And we trust that you've been benefited and helped by this episode. And we encourage you to check the other two episodes out that we've done on this series. And until next time, keep seeking the Lord and His Word. Mm